0: Um, if you've been with us at all in the month of July, then you already know that we're doing a series called Breathe. Um, we've been talking about the need to breathe, um, not just physically. I mean, that's important, right? I thought at some point we should have a contest so you can hold their breath the longest. Um, but we don't want people to die. But not just, not just physically, but also in the areas of our lives where, where we feel like the oxygen gets squeezed out of us. And we have identified three specific Places, see if you can identify with these places, right? Um, your calendar, huh? you just saw a crazy calendar up there. Your cash, everybody say amen. And your connections or relationships, okay? So like your schedule, your finances, your relationship, um, calendar, cash, connections. We've been talking through this month about how whenever we, we, we look at those areas of our lives, we can feel like we're getting squeezed, like we, we don't have margin, we can't really breathe. And that is totally the opposite message that the world gives us. Here's what the world says. If you're strong enough, smart enough, if you try hard enough, you can have it all. But it's not true, right? What we've found is that we we have limits. God is eternal, but we are finite. We're frail. God is limitless, but you and I are limited. I, I love this. You ever read that verse that says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? How many of you own a house with a thousand bills? right that kind of how it works for us like there's God and then there's us right like we we have limits God has this ability to know and love everybody but in our lifetimes if we if we know and love a handful of people fully that's about all we can handle isn't it last week we talked about cash Um, we talked about the need to put God in our finances all of you know that cash is limited right well, you knew that when you were young because your parents always told you that money doesn't grow on trees. See, you knew that growing up, and then you got older and were like, yeah, but I'm going to spend it like it does. I'm going to spend it like there's a money tree somewhere. But we know that there are, there are limits to cash. And so this morning, I want us to do this. I want us to deal with this denial that we can live as if we're limitless. We can live as if there are not limits. This morning, I want you to get this. In the area of our calendars and in the area of our connections, there are limits. Just like there are limits in the area of our cash. And if we, we act like they're not there, we, we run into all kinds of troubles. As, as a matter of fact, you know people who have tried to live their lives as if there are no limits. And what happens every single time? They eventually hit their limit. That limit was there the whole time. They're just in denial I don't have any limits. I can do anything I want to. Just keep trying that, and eventually you will hit your limit. So what is the right response? The right response to limits is to begin to say no to most things so that we can say yes to the best things. The, The response to limits, although we hate that, is, hey, let's invite those limits. Let's see those limits And let's learn what to do with them. Here's your big idea today. I want you to get this, okay? Your big idea is because we're limited, we need to limit what we do and who we do it with. Because we're limited, we need to limit what we do, that's calendar, and who we do it with, that's connection, okay? So here we're going to wrap that up, talking about calendars and connections. Here's, Here's, let's talk about calendars first. A little over seven years ago, there was a lady, her name was Bronnie. I said that right, Bronnie. It's like Bonnie with an R. I don't get it either. Her name was Bronnie Ray. And she started to notice something with a patient. She was a nurse. She started to notice something with the patients that she worked with. She worked with people who were dying. She worked specifically with people who were li- living their last three to 12 weeks. And she started to notice some similarities. She started to interview those patients, ask them questions. And eventually she published a memoir called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And here are the top two. Number two, from her patients. People that were on the, in the last three to 12 weeks of their life, this is what they said were their top regrets. The second most popular regret, her patients would say this, I wish I didn't work so hard. Now, what's shocking is, she says, that answer came from every single male patient she ever cared for. I wish I didn't work so hard. I wish I didn't work so hard. They spoke spoke about missing out of time with loved ones because of their work. And then the number one, the number one regret, the top regret of all the people that she cared for who were dying was this. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. What is the number one regret of people who were dying? It's simply this. It's, it's the choices that we made or felt like we had to make to please somebody or not please somebody. They said, man, there was clarity in the end. I've said this a couple of times. There's something about seeing the end of life, whether you're seeing it approaching it or you're seeing it because you've experienced somebody else dying. There's something about seeing the end of life that suddenly makes you see life more clearly. We didn't need Bronnie to tell us that because we have God, right? Psalm 90. Psalm 90, verse 12. Moses saw what Bronnie Ray had seen, and he he, he prayed a prayer. He made a request of God that if we're smart, if we see the limits in our lives, the limits in our calendar, we'll pray this prayer. You would be better off if you pray this prayer. And here's what he said. He said, God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There's something about seeing that our days are limited that gives us wisdom. Again, when my mom and my brother passed away, I'm still on staff in church, I'm still leading worship. It was amazing how, <laughs> I'll say this extensively, it's amazing how all the squabbles that we make normal church life suddenly weren't that important. Because I'd seen what was important. And what was important was we have a limited number of days. And when those days are over, there's, you can't go back. I, I can't call my mom. I can't hug my brother. That's gone. Many of you in this room have experienced that kind of loss. And isn't it amazing when that happens and you see that days are numbered? When you have conversations with people and they bring up petty things, don't you just want to in love strangle them it's a good way to get fired from your job as the worship pastor right or as a youth pastor they're like I don't like the color of the pews it's not important anymore people matter carpet color doesn't people matter your opinion eh, only barely because you're a people but people matter right it's amazing when you number your days Like Moses said, teach us to number our days so that we could gain a heart of wisdom. And what I love about Moses' prayer is that it is 100% grounded in knowing that only God has that perspective. We won't read the entire Psalm 90, right? But if you go back and look at it, you'll see in verse 2, he says this about God, that you are from everlasting to everlasting. In other words, God has limitless days. Someone there talks about how, like, you know, to us, to, to us, like hundreds and hundreds of years, is just a moment to God. He has limitless days. And so if anybody can teach us to number our days correctly, it's got to be God. If you were with us a couple months back and we showed you a clip of Francis Chan, if you didn't see it, just Google it. Just Google Francis Chan red rope, you'll see it. And he talked about how he had all these feet and feet and feet and feet of rope. And that little red tip at the end is our life compared to eternity. And we spend so much time worried about this when this is what we need God to teach us about. Moses said, teach us to number our days. And some of you are smart. Some of you, you've got daytimers. You've got apps on your phones. You've been to time management seminars. That's all good stuff, right? You're like, yeah, it didn't work. I wasted time at a time management seminar. Those are really good. You should probably learn how to manage your time better. But let me tell you this. Those only teach you from a horizontal man perspective. Only God, only God can offer us the perspective of eternity. And when you stop and realize that my life is a part of a plan that includes eternity, it changes the things that we do. Understanding that time is limited helps us to say yes and no to the right things. The point that is on your sheet, if you're filling in blanks, just says this. Counting our days will make our days count. Counting our days will make our days count. So, my sons are going to graduate high school this year. They're going to go to college. So, guess what I do most nights now? I cry. Do I have to turn my man card in if I say that? I'm not sure. Okay. I cry. Guess what I cry over? Well, I wish I was a better dad. That's what they cry over, right? They cry over, they wish I was a better dad. I cry over the fact that I can't get that time back. That's what happens when you count your days. If you're here today, you got a young child, you're just getting started in parenthood, ask God to teach you to number your days now. I guarantee you'll invest in your children differently if you'll number your days now. Because I told somebody the other day, the only real regret that I have is I can't go back and do it all over again. And I wouldn't change a thing, except I'd try to be nicer. But I wouldn't change a thing. I don't have, like, these huge regrets. Like, I wish I hadn't been, I wasn't wasn't gone for, you know, huge moments. I've been there. I just wish I could do it again. But you can't get the time back. And that's just from a parenting standpoint, right? Let's talk about eternity. Let's talk about the people that you will sit with today at lunch. The server who will come to your table today at lunch. I know it's Albemarle and we think that we have family reunions every week at Walmart, but you really don't. It's possible that the server at your restaurant today, you will never see him or her again. And there's a moment when you can introduce them to eternity. And if you're living your life without eternal perspective, you will not do that. But if you recognize that there is a number to our days. It might change the conversation, right? Teach us to number our days that we might gain wisdom. Counting our days will make our days count. That's calendars. Some of your calendars are super full, extremely busy. You need an eternal perspective so that you'll know what to say yes to and what to say no to. And there are some things that all of us are doing right now that we probably could say no to. So, we could say yes to the best things. And that happens in your time with Jesus, right? Just like Moses. I can't tell you what that is. But Moses said, Teach me, Lord, to number my days. Give me your perspective, and then I'll know what to do with my time. Let's talk about connections. Let's talk about how to breathe, how to put margin in our relationships. I'm going to give you the point right up front. It's going to sound weird, and I'll explain it. Here it is. It's even a little rhyme for you. I think you'll love it. You ready? (laughs) I know you are. Relationship success comes from pouring more into less. Relationship success comes from pouring more into less. I need to just explain that because that sounds very un-Christian, unloving, like we're supposed to love the whole world. And here's what I want you to know. When we try to love the whole world, guess what we bump up into? Starts with an L, ends with limits, limits, right? We bump up into limits because all of us are limited. And so, when we try to love everybody, we realize that we really can't love everybody. The way to get the most out of relationships is actually to pour less and more into less of them. So, when it comes to our connections, here's what I want you to get. Just jot this down on your sheet. When it comes to our connections. We need margin in the number of them and in the nature of them. So for the number of them, I'm going to borrow something from Larry Osborne. He's a pastor out in California. He wrote a book called Sticky Church. It's a great book. But he talks about how people are like Legos. Um, anybody like Legos? I love Legos. People are like Legos. <laughs> Richard's in the back. Throw it to me. I would hurt so many people right now if I did that. Um, people are like Legos. And here's what he means. You only have a limited number of connections. Now, some of, this is probably me, some of us are introverts, so we have less, less connections. Some of us are extroverts. Uh, A red one's got four. The blue one, how many of you are blue, right? You're like, I'm a blue one. Eight connections, right? But you only got a limited number of connections. You, You can't be friends with everybody, And what I love, if you've been to church any at all, this is going to make so much sense to you. He says this This is why you'll go to a church and you'll visit it and you'll walk out and get in the car and you'll turn to your family and say, That was the friendliest church I've ever been a part of. And then two months later, you're like, I just can't get connected at that church. And how does the church go from being super friendly to I can't get connected? It's because you can be friendly to everybody, but you can't connect with everybody, you can only connect with a few. And once your connections are full, I love how Larry Osborne says it. He says, sometimes when my friends aren't looking, I pop them off so I can connect with somebody else. <laughs> but you just have a limited number of connections. And so you've, you've, got to, you've got to put margin in the number of your connections. Maybe you don't try to connect with 100 people and give them a piece of your time. Maybe the wiser choice is to connect with four six a handful and give them a lot of your time see relationship success comes from pouring more of who you are what you have into less people now again that sounds um super unscriptural but here's why i think we have to have less connections okay so lego l-e-g-o if we're building lego relationships. I just, I didn't steal this from Larry Osborne, so if this is terrible, it's not his fault, okay? If we're building Lego relationships, here's what they're going to look like. They're going to be loving, engaging, godly, and ongoing. L-E-G-O. They're going to be loving, engaging, godly, and ongoing. And if you just stop and think about it, if you have relationships like that, doesn't that in and of itself limit how many you can have? You just can't have those kind of relationships with everybody. We wish that we could. And even right now, some of you are thinking, I don't know, Paul. I think scripturally speaking, there's got to be a verse in the Bible that says that we should be friends with as many people as we possibly can because that's how we win the world to Jesus. And I will simply answer you with one question. How many of you know Tony Riddle? Raise your hand. Out of a room full of, let's say, 180 people, we're going to say three or four hands went up. But all of you have been impacted by Tony Riddle. You know why? Because he was my youth pastor. Well, let's, let's go even further. Now, don't get spiritual on me, okay? Like, I know the Holy Spirit and all that stuff. But how many of you have, like, physically met Jesus? I'm looking for the weirdo that raises his hand. No hands, right? We haven't physically met Jesus. I get that we're in the body of Christ and that the Holy Spirit has drawn us. I get all that. But none of us in this room have physically met Jesus. And if we could stand the entire world in front of us and ask that question, how many hands would go up? Zero. All the way back until like A.D. 32, 3, right? And yet the world is different because Jesus did what? He poured into Lego relationships. With 12, lost one, and then had three, and even had one that he poured more of his time into. Even Jesus practiced that principle. So when when we say, oh, no, no, I just want to love everybody, stop sounding spiritual because it's not possible. Instead, I would challenge you, stop trying to love everybody and pour yourself into less relationships. Give more of who you are to less relationships, and you'll find success. You'll find margin in your relationships, why do we want to have community groups that aren't 100 people strong? Because it's just impossible to pour yourself into that many people. This is why we limit, try to limit sizes. It's why we want to get people that have connections open when people have connections to give so that we can all connect. Put margin in the number of your connections. And then here's the, the second thing put margin in the nature of your connections. And this is all about grace. The number of connections that we have need to be gracious in nature. I use this example all the time because it's the best example that I've ever stumbled across. I'm a runner. It's what I do. So when I go out in the mornings and I'm running down Austin Road. And you've been on roads, you know how they are. They're, they're, you know, they're asphalt, they're, they're black, there's a yellow line in the middle. And there's two white lines on the end. And then on either side of that line, depending on how generous they were when they made the road, there's anywhere from like that much room or that much room, right? And my, what I love, what I love is when I go running and always against traffic, if you're new to running and running against traffic because you want to see the people before they hit you. If you're running against traffic and a car starts to come, my favorite drivers, and I hope that I have a church full of them, my favorite drivers are the ones that go all the way into the other lane and give me, like, an enti- my little space and then the entire other lane, like, it's in ca- just in case I pass out and fall into the road, right? They give me all kinds of margin. My least favorite drivers, and if you're here and this has happened, I'm pouring grace on our relationship, it's all good, Right? But my least favorite, the the runners, if I can say this, we'll just take it out of the video, but the runners that make me want to flip people off, right? I don't actually do it, and I ask God to forgive me for wanting to do it. But still, the runners that really get on my nerves, I mean, the, the drivers that really get on my nerves are when I'm running in my little whatever margin lane, and they're coming towards me, and there's not a car on the other side, and they hug that white line as close as they can, as if to communicate to me, this is my road. Those drivers do not bring out the best in me because they make it hard. They take away the margin when they've got plenty of margin to give. Listen, you limit the number of your connections, that's good. But you need to to have margin in the nature of your connections. You know how you have margin in the nature of your connections? You give grace. I love Colossians 3.13. This is a runner's verse, okay? Here's what it says. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Depending on what version you have, the first part of verse 13 will say this, make allowances for each other. And when when I'm running and a car goes all the way into the other lane, you know what they're doing? They're making allowance for me. They're like, that dude looks good from a distance, but when I get close to him, he's going to be oxygen-deprived, and he might fall over into this lane. I'm going to make allowance for him, give him plenty, plenty of room. And the people that pull in closer to me, as if to prove that I shouldn't be where they are, they're not making allowance for me. They're not, they're not giving any grace, any margin. When our, our relationships are like that, our relationships will fail. Relationship success comes from pouring more into less. More grace, more of who you are into less connections. And I can tell you right now, if our church simply started doing that, the city would change. The city would change. Because you would so impact people, like Tony Riddle did to me, that then they would go and impact people. And they would impact people. And that's exactly how the kingdom of God has reached the place that it has today. Proverbs 17, 9. When we make room for others, when we throw grace on their mistakes, this is what we're doing. Proverbs 17, 9 says this. He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Uh, we won't focus on that second half because we've all lived that out. We already know that. You know, like when you tell a friend something and they go blab it to everybody else, how long are you still friends with that person? Nah, not long, right? But man, whoever covers a sin promotes love. Have those kind of relationships. Less connections and more grace in them. So the question is this, um, how do we land this series? Uh, What do I want you to remember the most from this entire series? And I think this is it. If I had to sum it all up, I think I would sum it up this way. You and I are limited, but God is not. If we had unlimited time and unlimited connections, unlimited ability emotionally to connect with people, unlimited cash to spend, we wouldn't have to have a series on margin, would we? Because we would never have stress. We'd have all the money in the world. We'd just spend it, spend it, spend it. We'd have all the time in the world. We'd just give it away, give it away, give it away. We'd never have any stress. But because we're limited, that's why we have stress in these areas. And instead of fighting those limits, I want, to, I want to ask you to do this. Instead of fighting the limits, invite God into them. Just see what an unlimited God can do in the margin. I'm going to challenge you to put God first. Put Him first in your calendar. How do you do that? Well, you go to church, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Just kidding. That's a pastor answer. How do you put God first in your calendar? Man, in the morning when you wake up, give him your first time. Just the the best time. If, If your best is at night, then reserve that for him. But put him first. He's the first person that gets an appointment in your calendar every single day. Put God first in your cash. We talked about that last week. How do you do that? Yeah, there's no other way but just to give, right? You have to give. There's no other way to, I'm thinking about putting God first in my cash. No, you have to actually do it, right? And if you've ever drawn up a budget and then didn't follow it, you know how worthless the budget is, right? When you say, I'm going to put God first in my cash, it means that you're going to actually put him first in your cash. You're going to give. Put God first in your connections. How do you do that? I mean, do you maintain that relationship with him? He's the most important connection you have. What well, we talked about the end of worship, Psalm 27, 4. He's the most important connection in your life. And so really the way that we sum it up is because we have limits, we invite an unlimited God into our limits. We make margin for Him. And I'm telling you, God moves in the margin. He does miracles in the margin. And you and I will experience that if we simply invite Him into the limits. Because we're limited, we need to limit what we do, who we do it with. And even beyond that, because we're limited, we need to invite God into those limits. Don't fight them. Invite God into them. And see what he can do when you give a margin to move.